Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You are listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. All right, we start a new series uh, this morning called Christmas Treasure. And it's kind of based on a parable that Jesus teaches that in some ways, you know, isn't uh, related uh, to Christmas. But we see the truth of this parable right throughout the Christmas story. It's actually Jesus' shortest parable uh, that he teaches in Matthew chapter 13. He says, the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man finds it in his joy... He sells absolutely everything he has to buy it. And we see these principles in the shortest parable that Jesus teaches. We, we see some principles right throughout the Christmas story. You know, firstly, we see that the kingdom, the king, is actually hidden from human sight, but can be found by anyone who seeks to find him. That the kingdom... You know, Jesus, the King, is worthy of great sacrifice. Actually, the, the way that we receive him into our lives is through total surrender, giving up everything we've got, selling everything that we have. And when we find him, he brings great joy, greater joy than anything in this world has to offer. And so we see right throughout the Christmas story, we see the truth of this parable. And I want to encourage you this Christmas in the flurry of activities that happens uh, around Christmas. Treasure Jesus. Don't miss out on what this season is all about. Treasure the presence of Jesus. Treasure the peace that Jesus brings us. And treasure, I want to talk this morning about treasuring the promises that Jesus bring us. There's promises that we've already received and promises that are yet to come. And so in this season of Advent, as, as we celebrate Jesus, the King, coming uh, to earth the first time, we prepare our hearts to, to give him all glory and honour and praise. We're, we're getting ready and we're preparing our hearts for the King to come again. Let's treasure Jesus, this Christmas, let me just pray for us. God, right now, as we open your word and we look to the promises that we've already seen fulfilled, uh, we, we look forward to the promise that one day you will come again and you will make all things right. And God, today, I pray that we would see afresh your faithfulness. You're a God who always fulfills his promises. And God, you would fill our hearts with faith today in the promises of your power and your presence and your peace with us as we minister to others in your name. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In this Christmas story, we actually see that God makes some very unexpected promises to unexpected people in unexpected places. So open your Bible to Luke chapter 1. We're kind of going to do a bit of a a slow Bible study uh, through Luke chapter 1 this morning. So if you've got your Bible or your digital device, Luke chapter 1, verse uh, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, 
a town in Galilee. Let me just pause right there, right at the beginning, and keep your Bible open. We're going to keep reading it. But let me pause right there and say, Nazareth in Galilee is an unexpected place. All right, the, the, the word there that's translated town is the word polis, and it is, not, it is a word that does not describe a city. It does not describe a metropolis. It actually des- describes an insignificant little village. It's an insignificant village, the town of Nazareth. It was not an economic or financial or political centre. It was off the trade route. It wasn't on the main trade route, you know, going through this part of the world. It was not a place of wealth. It was not the centre of anything. It was a fairly insignificant, you know, town in this place called Galilee, and nor was it the religious centre. It wasn't that the people there were irreligious, but nor were they kosher. They didn't follow, you know, all of the laws of the Old Testament, They were people who worshipped Yahweh, but they weren't particularly kosher. They they, they weren't real followers of the law. They weren't Jerusalem. And if God was going to turn up anywhere, the people thought he would have turned up, you know, on the hills, on the mount of Jerusalem. This is an unexpected place that we're introduced to in John 1:46, you know, a little bit later on, you know, when uh, Jesus begins his ministry, Philip says to Nathaniel, "Come and see Jesus of Nazareth. I think he's the Messiah." What is Nathaniel's response? Can anything good come from Nazareth? This is an unexpected place. That was just common vernacular of the time. Can anything good happen in Nazareth? Can any good come from Nazareth? Let's keep reading. It says, uh, uh, six months, uh, God sent an angel to Nazareth, unexpected place, verse 27, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. Remember those two words, highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Listen to what Mary's response was. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. All right, if Nazareth, keep your Bible open, if Nazareth was an unexpected place. Mary's an unexpected person to actually have God turn up, to have an angel turn up from heaven to make her a promise that we're about to hear in a minute. minute. Unexpected because she's a peasant from a poor family. She was not part of the religious elite. She was not part of of the wealthy ruling class. She's a poor peasant from a poor family. She's also young. You know, Luke points out here that you know, she's a young virgin. She's a, a young woman. She's probably in her early teens. And don't be offended by this, but the other reason that just an unexpected person for an angel to turn up with an important message is because she's a woman. And in this culture, you know, this would not be expected that a poor peasant, a young poor peasant, and a young female poor peasant would be the one that God would send an angel from heaven to make a promise. She's an unexpected person in an unexpected place and she knows it. 
Listen to what her immediate response is when this angel turns up with a greeting. She thinks, I'm in trouble. She's greatly troubled. That's her immediate response is, I'm in trouble here. God's turned up to me. It means I'm in trouble. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. Mary, you found favour with God. Mary, you're not in trouble. You've got nothing to fear. You found favour with God. Or more accurately, favour has found you. Favour has found you. Sometimes we read that and we think, you know, Mary, and Mary, as you read through the rest of the gospel, you see, you know, Mary is a, a young woman of great character. But, but God is not saying to her here through the angel Gabriel, because you're a person of great character, you know, because you're a person that has, you have, has of noble birth or great character, none of, none of that is the reason that God has turned up. None of that is the reason that you have favour has found you. You see, Mary has found favour because she's a recipient of God's grace. That were two words I asked you to remember before, you know, highly favoured. That is actually one Greek word. I'm not going to try and pronounce it, but it's one Greek word and there's only one other time that it shows up in the New Testament. And it's in Ephesians chapter 1. And in Ephesians chapter 1, it, you know, it says, you know, we have been adopted into God's family. We've been adopted into sonship and daughtership. We've been adopted into, you know, God's family according to his great pleasure and because of his glorious grace that he has freely given us in the one he loves. The only other time that Greek word is used, highly favoured, in Luke chapter 1, is translated in Ephesians, glorious grace. What, 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 the, what Gabriel is saying here is, you're a recipient of God's glorious grace. I'm, I'm turning up here to, to tell you that, that God is gracious and his grace is even for you. And so what I want us to understand is, as we look at this word that's used here, you know, highly favoured, it's true for us too. You're highly favoured if you've received God's glorious grace. You are highly favoured. You've received the favour of God. The favour of God has found you. You see, God's favour is not fair, but it's free. You see, you can't earn it. You can't earn the grace of God. You can't earn the favour of God. You can do nothing to deserve it. It's not fair that you get it. And it's not, it's not fair that others get it. It's not fair that, you know, that we're all just simply recipients of God's grace. There's nothing fair about it, but it is free. It's freely given us in the one he loves. And so this is just what I just want us to remember today because I think some of us here today have just got a, a word of grace, a word of encouragement for one another. You see, when God turns up, you know, Mary's immediate response is, I'm in trouble. And I wonder whether sometimes that's our immediate response. If God really showed up, I'd be in trouble. Well, you're not. You're a son, you're a daughter of God because you found favour in God. When God turns up, he doesn't turn up, he doesn't use his words to push you away. He uses his words to draw you close. He doesn't use his words to put you down. He uses his words to build you up. 
Mary discovered that a long time ago, and I just believe some of us might need to discover that this morning. I believe God is going to put a word of grace, a word of favour, a word of encouragement in some of our hearts to actually give to somebody else today. But this promise gets even more unexpected. Verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel. She's kind of stuck on the first part of the promise. She says, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's a good question. Put yourself in Mary's shoes for a minute. You know, Gabriel promises a young virgin named Mary that she will give birth to a son. This is a young virgin girl who has done what is right before God, has done what is right, you know, to the, the man that she's betrothed to, to Joseph. She's still a virgin and she gets news that she's pregnant. When I was 12 years old, my mum gave me a book called Where Do Babies Come From? And I said to her, and she handed it to me, I said, don't be ridiculous, Mum, I'm not going to read that. I read the whole book in one night. I couldn't put it down. It was not what I was expecting as a 12-year-old. It was fascinating. Mary obviously had read the same book. She knows where babies come from. And she says to Gabriel, how can this be? Since I'm a virgin, it's a good question. She gets an unexpected answer. says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. She's promised that not only, it's an unexpected promise that she'll give birth to a son, even though she's a virgin, but this promise gets even more unexpected. You see, this this son will actually be born not of Joseph, but born of God, and he will be the son of God. It's an unexpected promise to an unexpected person in an unexpected place. And Gabriel knows that Mary's head is spinning at this moment. And so he uses a common ploy that I think we all use sometimes to get our point across to help us to believe that something is possible. Listen uh, to to what what Gabriel uh, says next. What verse are we up to? Someone tell me what verse we're up to. Verse 36, keep your Bibles open, we're still going. Even Elizabeth, everyone say even Elizabeth. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Even Elizabeth, do you ever use that ploy when you want to convince someone that something is possible, Susan says to me, even the kids have learnt to pick up their towel after having a shower off the floor and hang it up. It's possible for you too. Miracles happen. A couple of years ago, after our 25th wedding anniversary, I heard women in our church say, 
Even Jason is romantic enough to take his wife to Italy for their 25th wedding anniversary. I am not known as the king of romance. I heard this from at least 10 wives saying to their husband, even Jason took his wife to Italy. It's possible for you too. Miracles happen. You know, I've heard PJ, we, we, we do a, a campus review, uh, a service review meeting every Tuesday. I've heard PJ say, even Andrew Serkin preached for less than 50 minutes on Sunday. It's possible for you too. Miracles happen. Only happened once this year, but miracles do happen. Even Elizabeth, who was not able to conceive is six months pregnant. It's possible for you to. Miracles still happen. You see, Mary's not the first unexpected person in a family to receive an unexpected promise from God. If you've got Luke chapter one open, just go back to verse five for a minute. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there's a priest named Zechariah who belonged to his priestly division of Abijah of Aaron. Both of them were righteous. Listen to these words, this is important. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were still childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. How old is very old? I'm 49. Is that very old? No. How old are you, Rod? Older than that. <laughs> 74. 74. Is that very old? Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure how old very old is, and no one's entirely sure how old Elizabeth is, but they think she was probably in her 60s. She's very old. She's past her years of childbearing. You know, this is a miracle. There's two things I think I just want us to, I read that for two reasons I think we need to understand. When life doesn't work out as you had hoped and planned and prayed, it's not a reflection of your standing before God. This is very clear. Luke is making abundantly clear. Zechariah and Elizabeth both had lived blamelessly, had followed the law righteously, and yet still they were unable to conceive. And in that culture, in that time, if you were unable to conceive, that was a big social and religious stigma. You'd obviously done something to upset God. You'd done something to disobey God. And God sends an angel to make sure that everybody knows that miracles still happen and our, when life doesn't go according to plan, it's not a reflection of our standing before God. And secondly, they prayed for decades. I'm not going to read all the story, but you, as you read the story in Luke 1, you see that they'd prayed for decades and God hadn't answered their prayer. But at this point, we see that God actually heard that prayer throughout the years. And his perfect plans were unfolding. And right in this moment, he's answering that prayer. And this is a hard bit to, to, to come to grips with. Our temporary desires get trumped by God's eternal plans. And if we really believe in the sovereignty of God, that's something we've got to come to grips with. That God's eternal plans trump our temporary desires. 
God heard their prayers. And in his perfect timing, he gave Zechariah and Elizabeth a son when they were both very old. It was unexpected. My sister rang me on Easter Sunday this year to say that she was expecting a baby. Now, my sister's 45, which is not very old, but it was unexpected. (laughs) Her uh, other kids are 13 and 9, and we just presumed that uh, they'd stopped having kids, and so did she. (laughs) It was quite a surprise. It was unexpected. And the other unexpected part was that uh, she rang me the day before she was being induced to say that she was going to name her daughter after me. Well, I was going to get the middle name anyway. So for the first 31 years of my life, I've been called Jay. No one in Queensland calls me Jay, but my whole family in Sydney still call me Jay. And uh, her name, there might be a photo of her up on the screen, she's pretty cute, Olive Jay Smealy. Unexpected baby, unexpected name, but I'm absolutely thrilled. How good's that? This uh, unexpected news was also given unexpected names for both an old lady named Elizabeth and a young girl named Mary. See, this was unexpected to me, but it was very expected in biblical times that you would give your child the name or son the name of a, uh, a, a, a male in your family line. But Mary, Elizabeth is told to name her son John, which was unexpected because there's no male named John in the family line because he's got a unique purpose. God's hand was going to be on his life for a unique purpose to prepare the way for the coming king. And Mary was told to name her son Jesus, which means the Lord saves. Because John the Baptist was going to prepare the way for King Jesus to come, who is going to save the whole world, going to save humanity from our sins. See, the son, this is important, I want us to get this again, get the grace of God again. The son came into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. It's still an unexpected message. You know, people still think that when God turns up, you know, I'm expecting trouble. But God is the most gracious person that we will ever meet. The angel finishes this unexpected promise from God with an exhortation of the faithfulness and the power of God. Verse 37, it says, For no word from God will ever fail. Or those of you who are very old and remember some older translations of the Bible, it says, for nothing will ever be impossible with God. Can I hear an amen this morning? The word of God will never fail. Nothing will ever be impossible for God. Even when he makes unexpected promises to unexpected people in unexpected places, we have a God who is able to do the impossible. We have a God who is faithful to his word. I want to encourage you today. 
That's the same God we serve today. The word of God had gone quiet for 400 years. There was no prophecies. It looks like God's promises had come to nothing. But Christmas is a reminder. When it looks like the word of God has failed... When, when God is still patiently and faithfully at work fulfilling his promise. And when it looks impossible, you know, for the promise to come to pass, God is able to do more than all we all ask, dream, or imagine. Unexpected person, unexpected place, unexpected promises. They're true for Mary, and they're still true for us today. You know, last week, I, uh, I got a letter from a lady. It was an unexpected letter from an unexpected place as she was grappling with God's unexpected promise. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called uh, Jesus the Bloke. And I'd written it because I kind of couldn't find a book that, uh, that was written for Aussie blokes who'd never been to church, who uh, wore flannelette shirts and uh, sat in footy sheds or building site sheds. That's really what I wanted to write the book for. And I've had the joy of going to different churches around the state and often the first or the last person that come up to me come and say, hey, I read your book and I've come to faith and been baptised this year. And I've had that a number of times. It's been really exciting. And they're never wearing flannelette shirts and they're never uh, working on building sites. I had an associate professor, you know, from the university at um, Toowoomba, you know, in some kind of science thing that I didn't understand. Somehow, you know, Jesus, the message of Jesus got through to an unexpected person, an unexpected place. But this was the most unexpected letter that I've ever read. It was from a woman to start with, and women aren't supposed to read my book, and uh, from a very <laughs> unexpected place. Let me just, let me read just bits of it to you. In the book, I actually mention Bloom and talk about girls being rescued from traf- sex trafficking, and I talk about growing up in the western suburbs of Sydney, but I never mention where or what church I was a part of. She says this. First, let me please apologise for the paper I'm writing on. I can't afford a writing pad until next week, but I felt compelled to write to you. I'd like to thank you for opening my eyes to Jesus. I found your book, Jesus the Bloke, in the library here at Townsville Women's Correctional Centre. And I found a great connection to it, even showing it to a few chaplains that visit here and to some other prisoners who are also interested. I'm also from the western suburbs of Sydney, born and raised in Parramatta. Like some of the girls you mention in your story, I too was sold into the sex industry at a young age. I was 12, I went cold turkey from heroin at 15, thanks to a family GP, but mostly thanks to a rush that I got from prayer. You see, I met my daughter's father at a church in Tilopia, which is the church I grew up in. It's the church I began ministry in. We would attend there for the pastor's wife to feed us. Teens that had no homes would go there and be fed and the, pa- and, and the pastor would tell relatable stories about Jesus. They were cool stories the way you sound to be cool too. That was pretty unexpected. I've never been called cool. But I tell that part of the story because I was there. She doesn't know this, but I was 18, and she's talking about my mentor and his wife, the guy who taught me how to tell stories 
about Jesus and his wife who used to open their home and then we opened a drop-in centre for kids to come in and find food 31 years ago. She goes on to say... um, Religious history is one of my favourite subjects, but I've done so many things that would not sit favourably with Jesus or God. I fear I'm just not good enough, although I always try to be helpful, polite, encouraging, forgiving and charitable, even giving up half my Christmas day to feed the homeless. But even with those qualities, I still find myself a drug user, making poor choices and allowing myself to be susceptible to violent men. I'm 44 now and it's my first time in jail. I try to improve my life and even when successful somewhat, inevitably I fail. Your book has started giving me hope. Sorry for the tears on the page. Do you think Jesus would really love someone like me? Do you think there really could be something that I'm meant to do? Will I ever have real self-confidence? How could anyone truly love or value me? And if a mere human couldn't, why would God or Jesus? I see you right that he loves everyone and although I've never taken a life, I've done some really, I'll say crappy things and sold myself for sex repeatedly. How can I possibly be forgiven? And if I did find a way to be forgiven, what about when I screw up again? There can't be countless chances. I don't deserve them. No, you don't. But the favour of God is not fair, but it is free. Does God love this woman? He's been chasing her for 31 years. People have been investing into her life and, and often they were looking in and going, God's not doing anything. Nothing's happening. It seems to be going, you know, from, from bad to worse. But God has stayed on her case. Will Jesus forgive her? Can I hear a yes this morning? Of course he will. That's what he's like. Because he's not a mere human. He's fully man and he identifies with us. But he's fully God and he's full of empathy and love. And he loves her as much as he loves any single person in this room. And his glorious grace is for her as much as it is for any of you in this room. I want to encourage you today, if you've been praying for someone for years, don't give up. I know some of you have actually been walking the streets for the last few years, just reaching out to to people in need, and you will face lots of rejection, and, and you will sometimes think there's no fruit from this. Love anyway, give anyway, share anyway. God is behind the scenes working in miraculous ways and drawing people to himself. If you've been praying for someone for years, don't give up. Zechariah and Elizabeth were probably praying for 50 years for a child to come and God heard their prayer and in his perfect timing, he did something miraculous. And don't disregard the place that God has put you. Even if you're not in the place you want to be right now, you're not in the uni, you're not in the workplace, or you're kind of looking at the place you are and you're going, can God do any good here? Can any good come from this place? Yes, God has placed you there on purpose. Stay faithful. God is working. God is moving. You know, Rob and Liz... Lumpkis, 
who uh, we didn't get to see that video, but you will see it over the next couple of weeks. They've been faithfully serving on the border, in northern Thailand, on the border of Myanmar for 20 years, just discipling people as they walk across the border, going back into Myanmar. Because Myanmar's been closed to the gospel and to gospel workers for 73 years, since Independence Day in 1948. 73 years of darkness. They've been praying, they've been believing, they've been doing whatever they can to get the gospel into that nation. And a door has opened. Light is coming. We get to be part of it this Christmas. Can I, can I encourage you, give generously to Beacon of Hope. We are going to build a community centre. 5,000 people in 50 different uh, regions are going to hear the good news of Jesus and it's going to start to, to spread like yeast through dough, the kingdom of God, hidden from human sight, but found by anyone who seeks to find him. encourage you to give generously. Tim Keller says this, you cannot judge God by your calendar. God may appear to be slow, but he never forgets his promises. He may seem to be working very slowly or even to be forgetting his promises, but when his promises come true, and they will come true, they always burst the banks of what you imagined. God's grace virtually never operates on our time frame on a schedule we consider reasonable. I found that to be true but I've found that God is faithful and he never gives up. And when you see God move, he always does more than what we can ever imagine. God's unexpected promises are for unexpected people in unexpected places. And I need to finish fairly quickly, but let me just one more thing. God's unexpected presence brings inexplicable joy to unexpected people. Let me just read the next part of this story as Mary uh, receives this promise. It says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. You know, there is always joy at the news of new birth. You know, we live in a time today of crazy gender reveals and uh, what do you, uh, baby showers we celebrate. And this is kind of what's happening here. You know, Liz, who many of you know, Liz White, who uh, part of the 5 p.m. service here, is also uh, my uh, PA and she is, uh, she's pregnant and she's in an office next to me. And I constantly hear women running in to the, uh, this is her baby scan, actually. She gave it to me uh, during the week, it might be, that's, uh, that's little baby, uh, baby Jono and Liz, baby White, and uh, you know, in whatever office I'm in, I hear women come running in and they put their hands on Liz's belly and they start shrieking with joy. Now, I've never done that. I'm happy just to look at the baby scan and uh, say, good on you, Liz, that's exciting. But there's, there's this joy that comes with, with new birth. And here we have the meeting of the mums, two expecting mums and neither of them are expecting to be expecting. 
Their circumstances were anything but normal, but what was happening was much better than normal. Their meeting was filled with inexplicable joy. Now John the Baptist leaped in Elizabeth's womb, leaped for joy in the presence of the Son of God. Now you might be beyond leaping, but you still can be filled with joy in the presence of God. I want to ask you this morning, you're filled with joy in the presence of Jesus. You know, when I first got saved, I just could not stop telling people about Jesus. Every day I was just discipling some young guy somewhere and someone had to tell me to stop before I burnt out to kind of get my life in some balance. I just couldn't help it. I remember a few years later when I'd say it was the first time I got filled with the Holy Spirit, a little bit like what is happening for Elizabeth here. I remember, you know, that night just being overwhelmed with the goodness of God. I remember standing, you know, waiting for, in a, in a line to go to the toilet and this old guy named Gareth and I'm just telling him how good God is. I just couldn't help it. I just couldn't help tell people about the goodness of God because I was just filled with joy, filled with the Holy Spirit. But over time, I've seen this in my own life and I know it'll be true for some of you today, over time it's possible to lose the joy of your salvation. Sometimes it's busyness, sometimes it's laziness and sometimes it's habitual sin. But we can lose the joy. King David, who was a man who knew, he actually said, you know, in his presence is the fullness of joy, but because of his sin, had lost some of his joy. And he says, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but would you restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I wonder if some of us need to pray that prayer today. God, would you restore the joy of my salvation? Jesus was hidden in his mother's womb, but John the Baptist knew his presence. And his immediate response was to leap for joy. To leap for joy. And the joy of your salvation will determine your joy of sharing Jesus' salvation with others. You know, Mary hears the news and she gets ready and she runs to Elizabeth for two reasons. She wants to confirm Elizabeth's good news and she wants to share her good news. It says that she, she gets ready and she hurries to Elizabeth's place. It's actually, you know, potentially, you know, a couple of days walk, but she gets there as quickly as she can. She's got to tell someone this good news that she's heard. I want to ask you today, are you in a hurry to tell someone the good news? Are you in a hurry to tell someone the joy of your salvation? Encourage you this Christmas. Share the unexpected promise of God's presence with unexpected people. Let me give you three quick ways that you can do it. Firstly, share your table with unexpected people. Who can you invite to your table? Who, who, who can you, you know, Jesus says, go and invite unexpected people to your table. Who can you invite? Hospitality is powerful. Who can you invite? Sit around your table as you celebrate Christ this Christmas. Secondly, share your story with inexplicable joy. There's some great stories in this room. Share your story of the way Jesus has filled your life with joy. Thirdly, share your faith community with unexpected people. You know, for decades now, we've been seeing people first step into the kingdom of God, of seeing that they 
can actually find Jesus and find hope and find meaning. So for many people, the first step has been our carol services at Gateway. And so I'm so excited that in all of our campuses this year, we've got a great live carol service. Really want to encourage you, grab this invitation on the back of your seat. Invite someone. I always sit in the first night of our carol services, I always sit in the back row because I see people walking in, wondering if the walls are going to fall in around them because they're in church and they haven't been in church for a very, very long time. Invite some unexpected people. I've seen some of those people sitting in the back rows thinking the wall's going to fall in. I've seen some of them come to Jesus over the years, had their lives transformed. I believe it's going to happen here this Christmas. Share your table with unexpected people. Share your story with inexplicable joy and share your faith community with unexpected people because there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of heaven when one person puts their faith in Jesus. You know, in this moment, inexplicable joy for two mums. They could not have expected what, what would happen to their sons as they grew up. It would have been unexpected that Elizabeth's son John in his early 30s, would have ended up with his head on a platter because he would not stop sharing. The the kingdom had come and people needed to repent. He knew how important this message was. He wasn't going to stop sharing it and it cost him his life. And Mary wouldn't have expected that Jesus would end up on a cross that that was the way that he was going to save all of humanity, that the Son of God would actually lay down his life to save us. He came not to condemn us, but to serve us and to save us. She would not have expected that that was going to happen. But our Father in heaven always expected it. He knew that that was the plan. He knew that's how he was going to fulfill his promise. See, on the cross, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become right with God. Never take that for granted. Never get used to how good that message is. It's a message, it's a promise for us to treasure all the days of our life. It's that promise of salvation that means our life goes on forever in the presence of the Son, will know joy forever. Treasure that promise and share that promise. You know, Zechariah didn't believe the the promise that he was given and he was disciplined. He actually missed out for a time. He couldn't speak for nine months the whole time of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And this uh, passage I've just read, verse 45, It finishes with a statement that's true for all of us today in a different way. It says, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. How do you receive the blessing of God? How do you receive the promises of God? Simply by believing, by repenting, turning to God and saying, I believe. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you were born of a virgin, that you lived a perfect life, that when I couldn't make myself right, 
you lived in complete righteousness and you went to a cross and on that cross, he who knew no sin became sin for me so that I could become right with God. He rose from the dead on the third day and he is seated on his throne and his kingdom will never end. It is good news. Who are you going to hurry to tell this Christmas? Hey, today, if you'd say, I am going to do one of those three things. I'm either going to share my table with someone this Christmas. I'm going to share my story of inexplicable joy with someone this Christmas. Or I'm simply going to invite someone to this Christmas carol service here in the city. Can I encourage you just to, just to grab that invitation right now? If you want to share this promise, you want to pray and be part of seeing all the angels of heaven celebrate when one person puts their faith in Jesus. I'm just going to get you to stand where you are. Just grab that invitation. So I'm going to invite just one person. I'm going to share my table with one person. I'm going to share my story with one person. If you're willing to take that challenge this Christmas, just stand where you are, hold that invitation card in your hand. I'd love to pray for you this morning. If that's you, just stand where you are. Father, thank you. I thank you for your promise. I thank you for your promised Son who's given us eternal salvation. I thank you for your glorious grace that's freely given us that we would be your sons and daughters. We'd be welcomed into your family. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. And God, today we, I, I pray that you just put joy in our hearts. You just put joy in our hearts to share your good news with others, that we too might hurry, that we too might, might go, that we too might be faithful in praying, believing that you can do the miraculous in somebody else's life just like you've done it in ours. And God, I pray for those whose invitations will be received, that God, that you would work in their hearts, God, that you would be drawing them to yourself. God, your good news might break through this Christmas that they might know the joy of salvation this Christmas. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.